Welcome to the Catching Health Podcast. I'm Diane Atwood, your own personal health reporter. An estate in Rome, Maine, that once belonged to Elizabeth Arden in the 20s and was later an elite spa for rich and famous women, is now a retreat for combat-injured vets. The Maine Chance Lodge and Retreat. That's Maine with an E, as in the state of Maine. The retreat is owned and run by the Travis Mills Foundation. Travis Mills is a retired staff sergeant with the Army's 82nd Airborne. In April 2012, on his third deployment to Afghanistan, Travis lost portions of both of his arms and legs when an IED exploded. Travis founded the nonprofit organization in 2013 to benefit and assist combat injured vets. The retreat opened in June 2017. One of the people Travis met when he was recovering at Walter Reed Army Medical Center in Washington, D.C., was a physical therapist by the name of Kelly McGowey. Now, when the main chance lodge and retreat became a reality, Travis asked Kelly to give up her job at Walter Reed and become program director for the foundation and the retreat. And Kelly is my guest today. Welcome, Kelly. So I've invited you here to talk with us about the work you did with wounded vets at Walter Reed, why you couldn't pass up the opportunity that Travis offered you, what your role is, and how the retreat's first summer went. So why don't we start with that? How did the summer go? We couldn't have asked for more success this summer. It was, um, we really hit the ground running. We were able to bring 57 veterans for a total of 150 people with their families from 23 different states um, here to Maine to enjoy the retreat and the foundation and all we had to offer for them this year. So specifically, what happens at the retreat? So Travis recognized early in his recovery how important of a role his family played and that despite the numerous opportunities that veterans are given, there are really very few that incorporate the entire family. And so he wanted to create an, a foundation and a place where we could welcome veterans and bring their whole families here. And so they arrive typically on a Sunday and we have numerous activities, adaptive sports, um, you know, just a very relaxing environment that lets the family um, you know, participate in as much or as little as they want. Most activities are done here on site. So if a kid needs to take a nap after lunch, they can do that. And then they can join the activities again when they wake up and they don't have to feel like they're missing out on things. But we really just wanted to create, you know, a wonderful environment where they could spend time with each other away from the stresses of life. And, you know, the hope is that maybe they'll fall in love with something they didn't know they could be really good at again. And it's something that we can give them the resources to be able to then continue to participate in at home, um, which was really important to us. So did that happen? Absolutely. Can you give us some examples? We had a particular participant this summer who's missing one of his arms above the elbow. And he had been sort of an avid shooter and hunter and you know, different kind of activities like that before he was injured and really hadn't picked up a bow and arrow um, since his injury and is sort of suffering from some overuse injuries of the one arm that he does have left. And so we had an organization here doing an archery um, activity with us and he was able to, you know, sort of rig up a system that worked really well for him. They were able to create it and send it to him after he left. And he's now picked up a new hobby that 
you know, he's participating in several different sort of archery activities now um, at home on a regular basis. That's amazing. And so his family got to participate in seeing that transformation happen for him. Absolutely. Which, you know, as a, as a caregiver or a spouse or a child to be able to, you know, sort of see how someone's life changes after an injury, it changes the dynamics of the whole family. And it, you know, to watch them pick something up that they used to do again is really a special experience. It's something that often they can then participate in together at home and it gives, you know, a new family activity and, you know, time that they can spend together that, you know, maybe is a break from their normal everyday just grind of, of life. Um, so it's really fun to be able to watch that happen. How do you choose the participants? So this past summer we were um, accepting participants mostly by invitation. So either we were familiar with them from the hospital or Travis and Kelsey had come in contact with them. Somebody on the staff had come in contact with them or they were referred to us. Um, It was done on purpose that way for our first year to make sure that we really were able to support the veterans when they got here in the best way possible, that we wouldn't have to say, well, we have these activities, but you, we aren't really ready for you to be able to do them or somebody needed something from us. Um, Moving forward, we have a nominate a vet tab on our website where people can nominate a veteran or they can nominate themselves to be able to come. Um, And so we'll, we'll kind of broaden, broaden the horizons and open our doors a little bit wider. And I expect that that will continue to expand in the next few years before we're able to truly be able to accommodate everybody with all different sorts of injuries appropriately. And are there specific requirements in order to even be, to qualify to participate? So right now the focus is on post 9-11 combat wounded veterans that have physical injuries. Um, One of our goals is uh, moving forward is to be able to include those with the sort of invisible wounds of war also, because we recognize that that is a very real thing and can be unbelievably devastating, not only to a veteran, but also to a family and those dynamics. Um, But we want to make sure that we have the staff in place to be able to, um, you know, meet anybody's needs that come in. So right now we're focused more on physical injuries, uh, but, but we are working very hard to be able to include all types of injuries. Now you're director of programming. So you're the individual who decides what programs are going to be offered? How does that work? Yeah, so it has been um, sort of an adventure. I'm very familiar with the adaptive sports and different activities in the DC area. And so coming up here to Maine, um, you have to kind of learn that environment again. And so people have written in and they have graciously donated their time and services and the different activities that they um, can offer. And then you learn the resources in the area. And we've been incredibly fortunate in terms of volunteers for both activities and just helping out the retreat in general um, to really get a lot of support from the local community and the greater community near the retreat. Um, so we, we were able to bring in lots of different things. We wanted to make sure that we could incorporate the arts and sports and all the while not forgetting that it's about just relaxing and spending time with your family. So we tried to not fill every single minute that they were here, but you know, we really we did kind of give them options for just about every minute that they were here and they could choose to take a step back and just kind of, you know, sit out on the front porch and enjoy the view and hang out with their, you know, family if they wanted to do that. And, you know, very, very few need a whole lot of encouraging. They're pretty excited about the activities that are here and the things that they can do. 
and you know, they're, they're all in, they're only here for a few days and you know, you might as well try it. If you don't like it after 10 minutes, you don't have to keep doing it. You can go and find something else to do. There really are a lot of options. Now you need to describe the setting and you need to explain to people who aren't from Maine where Rome is. (laughs) So I had to find Rome on a map also being (laughs) not from Maine. Um, So we are located in the Belgrade Lakes area. And for most people, the biggest landmark is that we're about an hour and a half north and a little bit west of Portland. Um, We sit kind of up on a hill. We have just under 20 acres of property. Uh, The house sits at the very top, but the property does run all the way down to Long Pond, which is a beautiful lake. We have a, a dock and we have waterfront property that we use tremendous amount of time with during the summer. And so from the house, you have an incredible view of the water, of lots of grass, the occasional car or truck may drive by, but you're not hearing the sounds and the, you know, all of the um, stress that may come along with a city. So most people that come, it's very relaxing. It's very different from where most people um, that attend the retreat are coming from, which is just encourages that sort of relaxing environment that we're going for when they come here. I have to say the the Atwood family camp is about 10 minutes away from there, not on that pond in another one, but uh, it's beautiful all year round, which makes me ask, it's cold up there (laughs) sometimes, not in the summer. It's been a beautiful summer, but um, do you plan to have year round programming? So I do hear it's going to get quite cold up here. The DC (laughs) person in me um, is, is excited for it. We'll see if I'm still saying that in April. Uh, We had such a successful first summer that we are going to open our doors. We have three weeks coming up starting at the end of this month, three weeks in a row. And then we're going to do one more week in December this year. Um, That's what's on our calendar for right now. But the goal of the sort of foundation as a whole is to be able to host um, veterans in some way, shape or form through partnerships with other organizations that have similar missions is to use this facility 40 to 45 weeks a year. And so we'll be expanding into other seasons as the year goes by. Um, our, our sort of you know, bread and butter will always be those summer months and our waterfront and those different activities that we can offer. But we're going we're gonna to push the envelope a little bit into the fall and, and probably some snow in December. And, then, and we'll see how that goes and what adjustments we have to make to be able to continue that through more winter months um, and partnering with other organizations to make sure that that can happen in the future. But the programs that are going to happen this year, are they specifically your programs or are you already partnering with partnering with other organizations? For this year, they will be our programs. We are going to have a caregiver mother's week, uh, sort of mid-October. So we're going to bring some mothers that, you know, got that awful phone call and dropped everything in their life to come to the hospital and, and care for their child for sometimes, you know, multiple years. Most of their kids at this point um, are doing very well. They're most of them are independent, and but these mothers, you know, they bond with each other while they're there, um, going through you know something that's incredibly different in their life, and then they all kind of go their separate ways. And so we thought it would be really fun to be able to bring them back, um, sort of spoil them a little bit for a week, let them have you know some fun together, and rekindle those friendships, and and reach out and sort of form their own network. They're coming to us from all across the country. Um, so we're looking forward to that. And then we'll have uh, two more weeks, very similar to the ones we had this summer. 
And then in December, we're going to do, we're calling it a hurricane relief week. So we're bringing veterans from the Houston area, the state of Florida. We reached out to a few in um, Puerto Rico as well to try to, you know, really just recognize that Mother Nature dealt them another really tough hand this fall. And we want to bring them up here in December, give them a little bit of a break from, you know, what they may be going through with repairs and, and different things and just kind of roll out the red carpet for them and let them know that, you know, people are thinking about them and, and we're here for them if they need anything. So we're really excited for these next couple of weeks this fall. But they'll look a little different. You won't have the same kind of activities. Will there be, like for the mothers, you're going to do hearken to the old days when they had that elite spa for the rich and famous women? Are you going to do a little pampering? <laughs> we're going to do our best for a little pampering. We're going to try to catch a few of the, you know, main colors if they stick around for a few more weeks. And, um, yeah, we're going to... We're going to offer them some different activities. We have some painting things going on. We're going to have um, another organization comes in and does some self-defense classes for us. And, nice. you know, we're going to let them we're going to let them have a really good time and and uh, and hopefully just kind of relax and remember, you know, like you guys helped me get through this tough time. And, and now they can share their successes of their kids and what they're back to doing and, you know, just kind of bond on on a different level that the rest of the you know, general population just doesn't always quite understand. And takes for granted. Absolutely. And the winter one, you're going to try any downhill skiing or sledding down to the lake or things like that? (laughs) So they tell me that this lake out here isn't really quite frozen solid to be, you know, spending a whole lot of time on until after the new year. So I think things like ice fishing and stuff along those lines, I think are going to have to wait a little bit till in the future, but we're going to, you know, hopefully get them on either skis or a snowboard, um, do some snowshoeing maybe around our property. So we have some different things kind of up our sleeve for that one to include donations of warm clothing so that we can, you know, these people from South Florida and not freeze them when they come here to see us. (laughs) What about the cost? Does the foundation take care of all of that? So the foundation takes care of everything thanks to our wonderful donors that support in our mission and our belief that, you know, these veterans and their families really deserve um, sort of a total retreat um, at no extra financial burden to them. So we have sponsors for families and for whole weeks at a time. The only thing that the veteran is responsible for is getting themselves to and from the airport in their home state. And then we take care of the travel to bring them up here. We scoop them up at whichever airport we bring them into, you know, take care of everything for the week and then and then drop them back off at the end of, of their time with us. So it's really it's unique in that sense that, you know, we can bring a whole family of six up here and nobody has to be left behind. And that, you know, we feel like that helps to make our organization a little bit different, but it also allows us to reach out to veterans that maybe have bigger families because when it's difficult for them to travel already and the financial burden of the travel, you know, if they're not working the way they were before, um, then a lot of times they just won't go. And we want to make sure that, that they have the opportunity to do that. So how many can you accommodate? How many people can you accommodate at one time? So we can bring in up to eight families at a time. We have eight different rooms and the number of participants that are here at any given time can be somewhere between low 20s to upwards of about 30, depending on how many members of each family. We have plenty of rollaway beds and pack and plays. We can, you know, we have two 
much larger suites to accommodate those larger families. And so we really can, you know, kind of make it a nice cozy environment, but we do have eight rooms. So we bring eight families at a time of varying sizes. You must have heard back from some of these families, gotten some feedback. Have you? We certainly have. And they are expressing gratitude and just so thankful to have been able to be a part of it. They have, they're excited about the activities that they, you know, can do that they maybe aren't able to do on a regular basis at home. Um, they have thanked us for making the process easy for them, for them to be allowed, you know, to be here and not to have to worry about, you know, is my husband going to be safe in the shower? Is my wife going to be able to, you know, do this? What's going to happen with my kid? You know, all of those different things that in terms of accessibility and just general hurdles that, you know, these families go through if they're trying to plan, you know, a trip on their own. And we make sure that we think of as much as we can. And then we always ask for feedback at the end. So things that maybe, you know, we hadn't quite thought of yet, then then they remind us and, you know, things like a diaper genie on the first week, we didn't have one of those. It was like, oh, that's a good idea. So, you know, run out, grab a couple diaper genies. And then everybody else that came with a child in diapers for the summer, we had one of those in their rooms ready to go when they got here. So, um, you know, they just, it overall was very, very positive feedback. They were very thankful for the opportunity and we're incredibly grateful that they were able to come and gave us a, a you know, another kind of week of their life to hang out with us and enjoy, enjoy this facility with us. I'd like to talk about you for a little bit. <laughs> if you don't mind. Why did you become a physical therapist? You know, to be honest, I don't ever remember wanting to do anything else. I've always enjoyed helping other people. I come from a military background. I was raised by a soldier. And on your first day of PT school, you write yourself a letter. Where do you think you're going to be in, in five years? And I happen to write on there, if I get really lucky, I'll get to work with wounded warriors and, you know, you work hard enough and you keep your eye on the prize and with a little bit of luck in there, I was able to, to make that happen. And I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunity. Was your dad wounded? He was not. Yeah. I'm also, I'm an army brat. So uh, my dad, uh, thanks to my dad, we traveled all around the world, but he, he was not he didn't lose any limbs, but he certainly suffered from PTSD, and uh, he was in Vietnam twice and exposed to Agent Orange and had a lot of medical issues because of that. So um, I learned a lot from those experiences, that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, and I was going to ask you how you ended up at Walter Reed, but I think you already answered that. <laughs> you made it clear. I, yeah, I was able to do my internships when I was in school, all in military facilities. So I, I was in um, the major relay station in Germany, the Landstuhl Hospital, for a couple of months. And then from there, I went to Walter Reed. And, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes timing really is everything. And as I was finishing my internship, there was a position opening. And I said, you know, I'd do anything to be able to stay there and have that opportunity. And luckily, they you know, were willing to, to let me do that. And so I was able to, you know, stay on. And it was one of those moments where you look back and you just know that you're doing exactly what you were supposed to be doing with your life at that moment. And I couldn't have been in a better place. And I was extremely thankful to be able to be a part of that. What are some of the lessons that you learned being there? 
nothing is ever guaranteed and you really have to be just so appreciative of everything. I've learned a lot about the resiliency of humans and the importance of those support systems that people have. And, you know, you really, you form such bonds with your patients. You spend a lot of time with them and you become a part of their lives and their families' lives. They get Christmas cards from them. I'll visit people if I'm in, you know, a certain part of the country. And you just, you always have to be a student. You always have to be willing to learn from those that are around you and, you know, just to, to take it in and to recognize that, you know, things can change in an instant and, and just be so appreciative of that. I think. Is something happening there? Did you drop something? Nope. Oh, okay. Then it's the connection. Okay. It's all right now. It was a weird sound. Um, when did you meet Travis Mills? I met Travis pretty soon after his injury. He um, he was in Germany a little bit, and then he sort of relayed along the along the path and and ended up at Walter Reed. And I'll never forget him coming down into the Matsy. The so the the clinic was called the Matsy, the Military Advanced Training Center, and that was the amputee sort of branch of the physical therapy department. And Travis comes down talking 100 miles an hour on you know, in his wheelchair. And he's like, do you see this picture right here? This is my wife and my daughter. I got to get out of here as soon as I can. And I got to be there for them. And, you know, and I was like, whoa, you know, I applaud your enthusiasm and I will do whatever I can to help you. I was not his primary PT. I was covering in the beginning for his PT and my coworker um, sort of took him through most of his rehab. I worked with him a little bit here and there. Um, and I told him, I said, you know, your goals are our goals. Just take advantage of everything you can from us and these resources while you're here so that once you walk out that door, you don't ever have to come back for, you know, any length of time that you can, you know, whatever it is that you want to accomplish, make, make sure that we give you the tools while, you know, you're here to be able to, to accomplish those things. Well, he certainly took that to heart. <laughs> he sure did. Had you ever worked with a quadruple amputee before? So we've had five quadruple amputees um, come through that clinic in the time that I was there. And, you know, the advantages to the advances in military medicine and, and medicine on the battlefield is that, you know, I don't think we're really seeing any more of these injuries than we were before. They're just now surviving. And so we're able to, you know, get them all the way home and, and begin to take care of them. And so we've had, you know, a couple of them come through the clinic. Each one comes through with you know, different challenges and different things that they're, you know, facing and, you know, whether it's battling infection or, you know, having an extra joint here or there or, you know, whatever the difference may be, they're, they're all their own story and they, and they're incredible. Every one of them, no matter how many limbs they're missing, they come in and, and they find a way to conquer in the end. How long was Travis there? Do you remember? He was there all in all, I think officially it was 19 months, though he was kind of a busybody there at the end. So I don't know how many months he was there full time. But by the time his family moved away and left Walter Reed, I believe it was 19 months. I have to ask you, what do you mean he was a busybody? <laughs> <laughs> He's got all kinds of things going on. He's got to speak here, or help with this foundation there, or, you know, just 
starting this life that he now has created to be able to try to help other people and support other missions and sort of pay it forward. He recognized that there were a lot of people that, you know, put a lot into him and helped him and his family during his recovery. And they always referred to him sort of as the, um, the mayor of the Matsy. If there was somebody whose patient was struggling with something, he was the one that we were going to call, Hey, Travis, can you go and talk to this guy? Can you swing by this guy's room? You know, because he was just this ball of energy everywhere that he went. And so he would go in and people would look at him and then they take a look at themselves and they think, you know, okay, that guy has no arms and legs. I'm missing one leg. If he could do it, I could probably do it. And so he was just sort of, whether he likes to be or not, he's a source of inspiration to other people because they can look at him and they can think, maybe this isn't so bad. So that's a lesson that he taught you and so many other people. Is that why you kept in touch with him? I did. I kept in touch with him and his wife um, over the years and would run into them at various events and different, you know, sort of activities that we were doing. Travis was telling me about this foundation. And as it started, it started as backpacks that they were going to send, you know, these care packages to people that were deployed. And it just kind of has grown exponentially since there. And he mentioned it kind of in passing one day of, you know, oh, I'm, I'm going to have this foundation, this retreat, you know, you should come up and, and run these programs. I've been very involved in the adaptive sports programs um, at the hospital. And it's something that I really enjoy and love doing. And he just, he kept popping up and, mm -hmm. and mentioning it, kept mentioning it. And I kept telling him, you know, you don't need me yet. You're not there yet. But really, I think in reality, I wasn't ready to leave yet. I think that's probably what it ultimately comes down to. And then I started working for him part-time remotely from Virginia last year and and this as this was sort of gaining traction and the construction was finishing up and we're recruiting these people to participate and and as excited as I was about it somebody looked at me one day and they said, "Well, why wouldn't you go?" Hmm. And I didn't have an answer for him which in itself was a pretty good answer. And so it was time. It was time I had all of my patients at the hospital were going to be, were going to be okay if I wasn't there anymore. They were literally back on their feet and, and the, the timing was right. The transition was right. You spend so much time taking care of them in this early part of their rehab and really their rehab is going to continue for the rest of their life. So this is a good transition for me to be able to help care for them in that next step, to bring them back, to check in on them, to give them some new tools and then you know, to kind of send them on their way and, and be another resource for them. So it felt like a very natural step. I'm incredibly humbled by the fact that Travis and Kelsey would ask me to be able to be a part of this. And it's been incredibly fun. And even though you might not be looking forward to winter, you made the right decision. I am a, I'm a, an adaptive ski instructor and we love the snow. So I think through what I normally consider to be winter months, we'll be okay. Once we get into April and May, where it might still be winter up here, <laughs> where we struggle. Now, have you, this past summer, when you had the seven weeks of programming going on, did you have some participants that you had worked with back at Walter Reed? There were many participants um, that were either my patients in particular, or just that you, you know, sort of interact with in the clinic as a whole. And it was a reunion of sorts for a couple of us, which was you know, really fun to see how their families have grown and how, 
you know, the success that they are, you know, bring into the world on their own and, and the things that they're doing. And it's, um, it's humbling really to be able to see all that they have accomplished. And so you're not doing any more hands-on PT? Um, at the moment I am not in the clinic as a PT. Uh, I'm hoping to be back in the clinic sometime after the new year, maybe once a week. Um, just to not quite be done with that all the way yet. Um, but to be honest, a lot of PT doesn't happen in a clinic. And so you bring people here and you help them get into a kayak or you teach them how to do stairs or you do something like that very informally. And, you know, it's its own physical therapy all on its own. It just doesn't happen in the walls of a clinic. Hmm. So when you decided that you wanted to be a physical therapist and you wanted to work with Wounded Warriors, you must have had a dream about it, dreamed about what it might be like, expectations. Did things turn out the way you had imagined? I think they are better than I could have imagined. You know, you see on paper, there's a person and they have these injuries and you can do X, Y, and Z to make those injuries better and to make that person more functional. The part that that you're not maybe as prepared for is how attached you become and how um, emotional the journey is for them and for their families. And, you know, maybe you're not supposed to get as caught up in that, but you can't help it. You know, these people and what they go through and you just, you become so invested in it and that at the end of the day, you are just as excited for their triumphs and just as disappointed with, you know, maybe their stumbles that, you know, it's, it's incredible to be able to be a part of that, to help them tell their story and to be able to show them how great their life can be again. I had a mother tell me one of my very first patients, I did a whole evaluation on her son and he was a snowboarder. It was February. And so I said, you know, Oh, we'll take you to Colorado in December. We'll snowboard. And, you know, talking about all these fun things and finish the evaluation leave the room and I'm walking down the hall and the mother chases me down the hall and she grabs my arm and she goes, I just wanted to make sure, did you notice he didn't have a leg? (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, oh no, did you really think I didn't notice that and doing a whole email? (laughs) That was my first thought. And then I realized, she said to me, she goes, but you talked about snowboarding, but he is missing his foot. And I realized in that moment that you get to be sort of this conduit between this wrapping their head around what has just happened and yet opening their eyes back up to everything that they will now have the opportunity to do that they may or may not have had before. And so you really get to kind of be that person that, you know, sort of, sort of shines the light again for them to be able to see and to be excited about things and, and knowing when to show that and when to say, okay, today's a rough day. We're just going to, I'll hold on to this, you know, sort of vision for you and I'll give it back when you're ready. Um, and so it really, it's, it's more than I ever could have imagined. It was, you know, sort of a dream job right out of school that nothing else was ever going to compare in exactly the same way. So it was good to find something that was different enough in that same population of people that you can get that level of sort of purpose and fulfillment from again. Well, I can certainly see why Travis and his wife wanted you to be part of the program. I think you're an astonishing young woman. Ah, thank you so much. A couple of things that I want to ask as we wrap up. The next step, you talked about the programs, but is the next step beyond that 
then trying to connect with other organizations that have similar missions? Absolutely. I think they both go hand in hand. You know, we've reached out to other organizations already for participants. You know, hey, we have this program coming up. Do you have anybody that you think would be good for this? Um, and in return, then offering the facility. Hey, we have this incredibly beautiful brand new facility that's 100% accessible. Do you think you could use that for any of your programming? And and to be able to sort of partner with that. And so as we move forward, you know, the goal is to be able to serve as many veterans and their families as we can. And so that will change, I'm sure, as time goes forward, just as, you know, the level of injuries that we've treated has changed and the global war on terror right now is changing. And, you know, nothing is ever good enough to just stay as it is. It's always got to be keeping up and you have to be learning from what you're doing. And so I think moving forward in order to accomplish those goals of reaching out to as many people as we can, you know, it certainly will go hand in hand with more participants and more organizations because then you can reach more participants. And so how does anybody reach you or get more information about the retreat, how to apply to be a participant or if, if an organization is interested in pursuing some kind of a collaboration? Sure. So our um, website is travismills.org. And so on there is a tab for the foundation itself. So you can see our mission statement, a little bit of our background. We're in the process of updating that with more current pictures and things from testimonials are up there from this summer and different sort of things like that. They can certainly email me. My email is program at travismills.org or any of those emails that are on the website. All of those will find their way to me if it's about participating. We have volunteer tabs for people if they want to come and be a volunteer with us. That's an option also. Um, so they're really, they can nominate themselves. They can nominate someone else. Um, we have a Facebook uh, page as well, lots of social media. So hopefully people feel like there's lots of different ways that they can you know, get in contact with them and we'll plug them in with the right week and the right scheduling and, and whatever works best for them and for their family or for whoever they're referring towards us. Okay. And I'll make sure to put direct links to all of those on the blog. And I'll also put up some pictures that show the retreat and the, the beautiful location. Yeah. Anything that I missed or you wish I had asked you, but failed to? <laughs> <laughs> No, I think the the general, you know, key thing for us is just, you know, as you start a foundation like this is just to try to reach out to as many people as possible and to recognize that, you know, the rehab of these participants expands their whole life. You know, your arms and legs are, are not ever going to be the same as they were before and that that changes the dynamics of the whole family and their role in the family and maybe their role in, you know, being a provider or their job or whatever it was that they that they might have done. And so, you know, we hope that in all of that change that we can be something that is more constant for them, that they can, you know, really just be here and relax and enjoy their time with their whole family. Alrighty. Well, Kelly, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, now you've got a couple of weeks off between when we're doing this interview and when you, your next participants arrive. And I hope you have a wonderful winter. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've been talking with Kelly McGowey. She's the program director for the Travis Mills Foundation and the Main Chance Lodge and Retreat. 
Now, if you'd like to see pictures of the retreat, which is in Rome, Maine, in the beautiful Belgrade Lakes region, or if you'd like to get those direct links uh, to the resources that Kelly mentioned, you can go to catchinghealth.com, that's my blog, and click on podcasts or put in the search term Travis Mills. I'm Diane Atwood, and you've been listening to the Catching Health podcast. You can listen to more episodes and read the Catching Health blog at catchinghealth.com. If you visit, please be sure to subscribe to the blog. You'll also find the Catching Health podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you listen on any of those sites, again, please subscribe and also rate and review Catching Health with Diane Atwood. You'd be doing me a huge favor. And if you have any suggestions for future podcast topics or guests, just send me an email, diane, with one N, at dianeatwood.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day.